0: But while we're at it, everyone turn to Genesis chapter twenty-five, verse twenty-seven. Where it reads, So the boys grew. And Esau was a skillful, skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, which incidentally is a very strange reason to love someone. But Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now Jacob cooked a stew And Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Our title today, my brothers and sisters, is What Are You Selling Your Birthright For? What are you selling for? your birthright for. Now, most of us here today may be familiar with the story of Jacob and Esau. Two brothers, paternal twins, born at the same time, but not resembling each other at all in appearance. They were the sons of Isaac who was the son of Abraham. These two young men, along with their father Isaac, are the realization of the covenant, the promise that God made to Isaac's father and their grandfather Abraham, that he would make them and make him a great nation, that he would bless Abraham and make his name great, and that he would be a blessing. He would bless those that blessed Abraham, and he would curse those who cursed Abraham. And in Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, it's safe to assume that Jacob and Esau knew very well the story and the covenant regarding what had happened to Abraham, their grandfather. You see, Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. He was 140 when Isaac got married. And he was 160 when Jacob and Esau were born. Jacob and Esau were 15 years old when their grandfather Abraham passed away at the ripe old age of 175 years. So we can say with absolute certainty that they spent some time on the lap and at the feet of their grandfather, Abraham, hearing about who and what they were. Esau, we see, was born rough-hewn and hairy, a wild boy that lived for his appetites. He went after what he wanted and he loved to be outside. I imagine he was the kind of a son that made it real easy for a father to love. He was tough. He was a hunter, a sportsman, alpha male type, captain of the football team, big man on campus. And he was more favored by his father, Isaac, because of the venison that he would give his father. Isaac would look at him and be like, that's my boy. Isaac loved eating the venison that Esau would bring him from his hunt. And since he came out of his mother's womb a couple seconds earlier than his brother Jacob, he was considered older. Jacob, on the other hand, was softer, more introspective. The word says that he was a mild man, more given to staying inside the tents with his mother. The thinker, not the doer. His mother's favorite, mama's little man. Jacob would have been considered a bookworm by today's standards, a mama's boy. Probably not the man of action that his father may have wanted to lead his seed into becoming a great nation. So we have two brothers, one the older, Esau, the son of promise, his father's favorite the hunter, the outdoorsman who had the birthright with all of the blessings and promises that went along with it, and Jacob, the thinker, not more than a few seconds longer. They shared the same birthday, loved more of his mother. Someone should have told these parents how they needed to love both of their children the same. And how dangerous it is to have favorites and compare your children with each other. Well, you know your brother does this, you know, so why can't you do this? Well, you know your brother does this, and you need to be like this. this. You know, they, they needed to know that. It was a flaw that continued into the next generation as well. When you see the way Jacob treated Joseph and Benjamin as opposed to their other That's a whole nother sermon. We'll get into that soon enough. But it also reminds us that although God established a covenant that spans generations and millennia, Abraham and his descendants, like us, were very far from perfect. But thankfully, perfection is not a prerequisite to covenant. perfection is not a prerequisite for covenant if you know what i'm talking about give the lord praise for his grace on this morning but one day one day esau coming back from a hunt saw jacob eating some red porridge And Esau, who had been out hunting unsuccessfully probably for days and was extremely hungry, for some reason at that moment thought he needed that porch. He saw Jacob eating more than anything on earth. So Jacob, being the thinker, the planner, offered his porridge to Esau in exchange for the birthright, which was supposed to go to Esau because he was the oldest by a few minutes. Remember, they're the same age. It was the birthright that included all of the promises that God had made to his grandfather Abraham. But for some reason, Esau went for the deal and sealed it. With an oath. The text says he despised his birthright. So he sold his birthright, his blessing, for a bowl of soup. He traded his destiny, his purpose, for something temporary that only kept him satisfied for a couple hours. He was going to be hungry again later that day. How many of y'all ate yesterday and you still full from the meal you ate yesterday? Hmm. And for that, he is called profane. Now, my brothers and sisters, we have a twofold task at this time. The first part is to make sure that we reflect on and examine our values and our appetites. And the second, which is connected to the first, is that we must not for any reason ever let that which God put inside of us, which is part of our birthright in him, be squandered for any reason of doubt, fear, sin, appetite, or anything else that we would come in contact with in this world. Now, a birthright by definition is any right or privilege to which a person is entitled by birth. It is their birthright, their rights of birth. All you had to do was be born, and these things and privileges are yours, your rights of birth. All of the blessings and promises that God made to Abraham were Esau's by default. They were his by right of birth. But why did Esau hate his birthright? Again, we can be certain that Abraham and Isaac had told them about what and who they were and told them about the blessings that were associated with the promise. There was the the land blessing, a land that I will show you, all the land of Canaan, all the land that Joshua and the children of Israel would eventually win back in the book of Joshua And then some more than 400 years later. There was the the national promise, which was, I will make you a great nation and your descendants would number as the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the beach. Means you'd never be able to count them all. And then there was the spiritual promise, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. The people through which the Christ would come. And Esau gave all of that up. Despised it. Why? Now on the surface, Esau is called profane because he valued the seen over the unseen. He valued the temporary more than he valued the permanent he valued the material ahead of the spiritual he sacrificed the permanent on the altar of the immediate again he was going to be hungry a little bit later on that day He did not have to go through such a drastic and dramatic measure just to have a few bites of food, just to feed a base appetite. Now, for these reasons, Esau was not able to see the value in what was before him, so he gave it away for nothing. So I now ask, beloved, what do we value as individuals as a community as a people as a nation what are we selling our birthright our blessings our potential our callings our destinies our legacies for what are we selling our birthright for my fear beloved is that we are letting the desires and the culture of the world dictate what is of value to us when we should be looking to the kingdom of heaven to tell us what's most important. Like Esau, we are in danger of losing out on our birthright, our blessings, our future in the Lord because the very way that we are even thought to think tempts us to live through and be led by our appetites, our desires and our fears, to put value on things that do not matter. Matthew 6 and 19, do not lay up, tre- do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal all of the the stuff that people are going to war for, that people are murdering each other to steal, that people are working in and out, day in and out for, all of that is going to fade away. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, Esau's heart was in the thrill of the hunt. He loved tracking the game finding the game and killing the game. His heart was in the feeding and in the sating of his appetites. The things of the spirit held no value to him, so he never reached his potential. Valuing pleasure and material gain may give you more status and stuff, but it will leave you hollow. It will leave you in a life without meaning. Oh, you can give the Lord praise. That's truth. That's Bible right there. We even see later in the text that Esau was not a poor man. He had land. He had livestock and he had servants, but he had to live out the rest of his life, never fully realizing the true purpose and the true meaning of his life. But we sell our birthright as individuals and as a nation when we desire after the things of this world more than we desire the things of the Spirit. We seek material gain and financial wealth as a means of happiness when we should know that true happiness can only be found in finding and knowing your true purpose, in finding meaning in your life. The funny thing is that the more we put our focus on God and at the things of the Spirit and less on the things of the world, the more we put ourselves in the right spirit to live in abundance. I'll say it again. The more we put our focus on God and on the things of the spirit and less on the things of the world, the more we put ourselves in the right spirit and in the right position to live in abundance. The more willing you are to let it go, the more the Lord sees that you're ready to receive it. That when we focus less on the things of this world and focus more on being more like God, the more we are, we are connected with the true source of prosperity. You may be able to buy that million-dollar watch, but you can't buy time. Amen. I can guarantee you as long as my name is Charles Blake II, as sure as my name is Charles Blake II, that sooner or later in your life, no matter how much money you're able to amass, the only thing that you're going to want is more time. I can guarantee you that you're going to get to that point one day. You see, there's a difference between being rich and being prosperous. Prosperous. Rich means that you can be able to buy whatever house you want to live in. Prosperous means having family and those close to you to be able to share that house with. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added to you. So we have to ask ourselves, what are we trading our birthright, our blessings, our future, our callings for? What is so important in our lives that we would rather have that than what God has prepared for us? Is it pleasure, comfort, status, acceptance? Is it material possession only you and the spirit know what it is but whatever it is it is keeping you from living the life that God truly has for you for some of us it could be security simply put it could be security you know good and well you hate that job you have You hate getting up, going to it. You hate walking into the office. You hate your boss. You hate the people you work with. You hate everything about that job, but it helps pay the bills. It keeps food on the table, but it is eating you up inside. It's sucking all of the joy and happiness completely out of your life. And it is a detour from your true purpose. Your true birthright. Now we're going to go deeper. For some of us, though, the thought of what God might have for us is simply too great. You see, we sometimes forget that with all of the greatness that God, our Father, has put inside of us, for all of the blessings that God has in store for us, there is a level of responsibility that comes with those gifts and those blessings. There is a certain level of pressure when it comes to living in the promise and claiming your birthright. What if you're not up to it? What if you fail? Sometimes we sell or despise our birthright out of fear. Fear of failure. Or even fear of success. God may have shown you a glimpse of who you really are. And you are terrified that the thing that God put inside of you is greater than you can imagine and it's easier just to numb yourself and let it pass. You may think that is not as painful as outright failure, but deep down you know it hurts just as much every time you think about it. Wondering what could have happened if you had only tried. You are living in an existence of tortured mediocrity because of what those around you might say if you try but don't succeed. But for all of his flaws, President Theodore Roosevelt got it right when he once said it is not the critic who counts not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcomings but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows the end, the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, even if he fails, he fails while daring greatly, so that his place will never be with those cold and timid souls that know neither victory nor defeat. You miss 100% of the shots that you do not take. We sell our birthright for stew when we let our fear of failure or our fear of success paralyze us into an existence of desperate inactivity. God would not have you living a life of desperate I know I'm talking to somebody out there. Somebody who is deciding whether to move forward with that dream that God put inside of you or whether to stay where you think that it is safe. You want to stay on the shore because of the waves you see out in the distance. But if God calls you to the deep, The most unsafe place for you in the world is the shore. Those that launch out to the deep, they see the greatness of the Lord on the deep. Your greatness, your purpose, God is waiting for you in the deep. Hmm. So worse, we let our fear paralyze us into living an existence of desperate inactivity, always wanting and praying for something more, but never reaching out to get it. You see, beloved, God wants you to dream a dream that is too big for you to imagine. He wants you to dream a dream that scares you, that terrifies you, your creator wants you to dream a dream that is too big for you to accomplish on your own. I know that West Angeles is too big of a church for me to accomplish on my own. I've got to call for my heavenly father. I've got to call. Because it is only with his help that we're going to be all right. He wants you to dream a dream that is too big For you to accomplish because he wants you to understand that it will not come to pass unless you trust in him completely. You see Esau failed to realize that the same God that walked with his grandfather and father would protect him as per the conditions of the covenant. He gave up his birthright. His destiny, his future on the surface for a meal to feed and sate his temporary desires. But the true tragedy, the true tragedy was that he was not able to rise to the level of responsibility necessary to live in that level of blessing to whom much is given, much is required. It didn't sink into his heart that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. That's why it is so important that we all come into relationship with Almighty God. Because if anyone if anyone if anyone be in Christ they are a new creature old things passing away all things all things all things becoming new if anyone be in Christ they have a new birthright I said if anyone be in Christ They have a new birthright. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise on today. You have a new birthright. So, what is our birthright? What are our rights of birth as born again sons and daughters of God? As born-again sons and daughters of God, we have a right to life everlasting. That is our birthright. We have a right to peace beyond all understanding. No matter what is going on out there, you can have peace beyond all understanding. That is our birthright. It is our rights of birth as sons and daughters of God that we can have the knowledge of truly matter, of what truly matters in life. Let them go out there embezzling and stealing and buying up everything they can, but we know what truly matters. Knowledge of what truly matters is your birthright. As sons and daughters of God, it is our birthright to have the strength to deal with life's struggles that no matter what happens in life, God is in control and he has your best interests at heart. For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, say of the Lord, thoughts of peace, that you would have a future, a future I know God brought us through some tough times as a people, but God wants us to have a future. I know they may be killing our young man and shooting him dead in the streets, but our God has promised us, he promised us a future. It is our birthright. It is our rights of birth. Also within the clause of the covenants of our birthright, it is, we have forgiveness from all of your sins. Remember I said before that thankfully perfection is not a prerequisite for covenant because none of us would be in covenant with our heavenly father because none of us are perfect. Well written into the clauses forgiveness for our sins. Most importantly in the clauses we have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. Give the Lord praise that our God allows us to be in relationship. True relationship with him. We have assured victory over death and all the pains and trials in the world. We are not going to go into the grave to stay there, but we're going to come clear out of the other side into his glory. Into eternal life. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Life and life more abundantly is your birthright. All of these things will be added to you. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise on today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As children of God, it is our birthright to have the ability to withstand, to endure, to overcome, and do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That is your birthright. Claim your birthright. Oh, wherever you are, give the Lord praise on this morning. Whatever it is that you are afraid to do, step out on his word step out on his power the world is waiting for you it is groaning for you to stand up and claim your birthright hallelujah everyone's standing everyone's standing everyone's standing we're through oh worship the lord on today hallelujah hallelujah oh come on now hallelujah worship the lord with me on today hallelujah Reach up, raise your hand to reach up and grab your birthright on today. When I've done all that I can, Lord, I need you to hold my hand. Though I'm tired, I won't give in. I just need you second and when, when I've done, sing with me, all All that I can, can. Lord, I need you to hold breathe on me, I'll win again. I decree, I believe that this is my season for a second win. Look at your neighbor and say, this is my season for a second win. Look at your, look at your other neighbor and say, I'm not going to let anything get in the way of my birthday. Oh, let's just worship the Lord one more time. Oh, yeah. now, everyone, please bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody walking, please. No one looking around. This is the most sacred part of our service. God, our Father, has put something, a gift, a future inside of everyone here. It is your gift, your calling. It is your, your future. It is your birthright. Now, if you're already saved, all you have to do is believe.